Welcome back to the RCF podcast. Today I am joined by my amazing and wonderful bride, Aww. Alice. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. We are discussing dating today, and so it's appropriate that we would be here together. Now, I know many of you don't use that term. You say, I'm just talking to this guy, or I've been hanging out with this girl, but let's face it, if that guy or girl stops talking with you, or stops hanging out with you, or perhaps starts hanging out with another guy or another girl, your heart gets broken, and you're devastated. Why? Because whatever we call it, you're basically dating. You may not want to call it that because there's a lack of commitment on your end, which we could actually do an entire episode on commitment, and we probably should on that topic. But what we're going to talk about today is that ambiguous thing that we sometimes call dating. And I would say these principles also apply when you're looking for someone to date. So what does the Bible say about dating? The Bible doesn't specifically use that term, but are there principles in the Bible that should guide us? Absolutely. If Scripture is sufficient, then we should be able to look at how those principles apply to a, a context which may not specifically be mentioned. So l- let's start with principle number one. Does the Scripture have anything to say to us that, that could guide us? Uh, any principles on dating? Yes. I mean, even starting in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 talks about God's creation, God's original design. His design is one man and one woman. So that right there just excludes anyone of the same sex as you. So as far as when you're looking for someone to date, if you're a girl, guys are your only option. If you're a guy, girls are your only option. Yeah, we we never see in Scripture same-sex relationships mentioned in a positive way. And we have to ask the question, why? It, uh, because our our purpose as human beings is to glorify God. Uh, we are his image bearers. And Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27 specifically says that. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, and after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we are made in the image of God. We are made to be his image bearers. Uh, Also, in in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, we see that God designed marriage to be a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church, which is called the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. So what happens if we have two men or two women? Well, Owen Strayan said it like this. He said, quote, a man and a man cannot marry in the sight of God. This means that there are two heads. A woman and a woman cannot marry in the sight of God. This means that there is no head, no other form of union images the Christ church relationship, end quote. So what he's saying there is there are huge theological implications if we go outside of God's stated design, because neither of those scenarios give us that same picture that's supposed to remind us of Jesus and the church. 
And that's just one reason that we can list. We could add that polyamorous or or polygamous relationships also do not reflect Christ and the church's relationship because we don't have multiple gods, nor does Jesus have multiple churches. Understand that Christians aren't trying to sound hateful or whatever the culture accuses us of, but our beliefs are deeply rooted in God's revealed word. So if marriage is designed to reflect Christ and the church, and dating is for the purpose of leading toward marriage, then as a Christian, we have to say, choose someone of the opposite sex to date. That certainly narrows it down quite a bit. Absolutely. So for our second principle, if you're a Christian, we're going to narrow the field even more. You should only be dating other Christians. Now, this is where we most often hear objections, right? At first, it may sound narrow-minded or too legalistic or uh, whatever we may call it. But let's look at what Scripture tells us. Where do we get this principle? The most often quoted verse in regards to this is 2 Corinthians 6.14, which says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Um, He goes on in, in verses 15 and 16 to say, What accord has Christ with Belial, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And this scripture isn't specifically addressing marriage, but that's absolutely the first and foremost application of this passage. Yeah, because he gives the illustration of being linked together like two oxen who plow the fields where the two are moving as one. And that's a great picture of a marriage relationship where the two become one flesh and they're both moving in the same direction together. Imagine being linked together by a harness. Paul's illustration doesn't mention marriage, but it is certainly no less than to include marriage which Absolutely. is the most uh, most important human relationship that we could possibly have. I would add, too, I mean, a lot of the Old Testament, especially in the laws, it addresses intermarriage, um, primarily between Israelites and people of other nations. And a lot of people take that to mean that it's a it's a racial law, but it's absolutely not racial. It's a faith-based law. God desires for his people to be marrying people of the same faith for the purpose of unity. Like you cannot have unity if you don't have the same faith. And that is probably most important in a marriage. (laughs) If a husband and a wife don't have the same faith, they are not unified. They are moving in different directions. And so since the purpose of dating is marriage, then the same principle applies. If it applies to marriage, it's going to apply to dating as well. Yeah. And in the Second Corinthians 6 passage, um, his, his point, as he goes on to say, how can righteousness and lawlessness or light and darkness or Jesus and a false God be linked together mm-hmm. in step with one another? Likewise, he says, how can a believer or an unbeliever be together. It, it just doesn't work. Why? Uh, Paul says, because Christians are the temple of the living God. The, the Spirit of God resides within the believer. So when we stop and think about it, why would someone who loves Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, 
want to be united with someone who completely rejects Jesus and his ways. That just doesn't logically make sense. You're right. And let me say, in case we think that this is one isolated passage, or um, you pointed out the Old Testament passage, oh, that's just Old Testament, that's just Israel. Well, let's let's go back to our earlier passage of Ephesians chapter 5, where he's telling us to be imitators of God. There's that image bearer stuff again. And he writes, starting out in verse 5, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, watch this, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we don't just find in 2 Corinthians 6 this principle. Rather, it's a, it's a theme in Scripture, a very important principle that those closest to us, those in partnership with us, especially in a marital relationship, they should not be unbelievers. Good stuff. So I want you to know that... Uh, We're not saying that you should be excluding all unbelievers from any part of your life or um, not being kind to to unbelievers or people of different faiths. We need to show kindness. We need to show love to those people, uh, most especially by sharing the gospel with them. But the specific topic that we're addressing today is dating, which ultimately leads to marriage. So we're, we're looking at specific principles that we need to apply to our dating relationships. Yeah, and the issue of dating unbelievers, uh, this principle is so important because this is one of the top reasons that we have seen many professing Christians make an absolute shipwreck of their faith. We don't want you to go down that path. God's design is better. And, and so think about what it would be like to be in a relationship that points you to God, a relationship where when you're going through suffering, that the other person, eventually your spouse, is reminding you to trust God. Or uh, when you go through a season of doubt, that other person is giving you reasons to keep believing God. Uh, uh, you can't have that with someone who themselves doesn't, doesn't believe Understand that God's commands like this one, this command to not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, that's meant for your good. God isn't restricting you to make you miserable. He wants the best for you. And ultimately, he knows that a union between a believing husband and a believing wife is the relationship that will best glorify him. It glorifies God. And when we realize that, we say as the, as the psalmist, I delight in the commands of God. They are not burdensome. Psalm 1 begins with, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So he finds delight in the goodness of what God has commanded. So good. Well, so far we've talked about two biblical principles for dating. One, that God designed us to be in a marriage and therefore a dating relationship with only one person of the opposite sex. And secondly, 
that God desires for us to be united in those relationships only with other believers. That narrows it down quite a bit. But another guideline that can take it even further, I think, is important. That you should only date someone who genuinely loves the Lord and that that love for the Lord is displayed by he or she living in a way that truly honors God. I say this because if we just take the previous principle, we may say, well, he or she says they believe. He goes to church or she knows the Bible. We may even say he or she loves Jesus. But how do we know? That's great that they say these things. Uh, It's great that they go to church. But we all know people who profess to know Jesus, but they live like the rest of the world. They give lip service to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth telling them that they had a, a member who was sleeping with his stepmother. And Paul tells them, kick him out of the church. He says, don't associate with the sexually immoral people who call themselves Christians. So that principle is helpful as we think about dating. No matter what someone professes, if their life does not actually display that they know and love God, that they honor God and his commands, then that person is not an option for you. Yes, there are so many people um, that that fill the churches every Sunday that have no true relationship with, with Christ, with God. One other thing to remember is that as a Christian, you are a servant of Christ. Um, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And so all of these things matter because everything you do is a reflection of Christ. So to date outside of God's good design uh, shows that that you are acting outside of his will. You are acting outside of his direction. And these things are for our good. These, these principles are for our good. They are the best possible thing that we could do. It may not feel like it at the time, and it may not look that way from a worldly perspective, but God's design truly is best. So keep that in mind as you look at these, as you, as you contemplate you know, who you're going to date, who you're going to marry. Um, think about God's plan, God's purposes for your life, um, ways that you can most glorify him. Yeah, I, I like that you add that, um, that reminder that we need to remember we are God's servant. Uh, so we need to be asking, does our dating life represent that? Am I serving the creator God, Jesus Christ, through my dating life? Does my dating life point others to Jesus? It actually should. And unfortunately, we don't see many good examples of this, even in the church. Therefore, we we tend to think of dating and marriage in a very individualistic and very selfish way that that comes from how we feel and and without regard ultimately for God. Mm. But regardless of what other people around you do, Your focus needs to be the lordship of Jesus. You are a servant of Jesus Christ. You go be that example for others that that shows them how to glorify God in relationships. I like this quote from Sam Albury who says that in our culture today, we, we tend to think of marriage primarily as an opportunity to celebrate deeply romantic feelings adult people have for one another. He said, if this is the primary focus, 
then it doesn't really make any difference if the people involved are men or women, nor does it matter if there are just two people involved, end quote. And so I would add, if romantic feelings were the primary focus, it wouldn't matter if they are a Christian or not. Students, our, our primary focus must be the glory and honor of our Creator God and serving and pleasing Him above all else, especially our own feelings. Mm-hmm. So that leads us to ask the question, why do some Christians not follow these principles? Why do some Christians choose to date non-believers or date superficial Christians? Those are great questions. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. But on the next episode, we will talk about some of those underlying issues. It goes much deeper than we often realize. So today we talked about the principles for dating, some biblical principles. But next time, we're going to talk about the heart issues of what's going on, why we do what we do. And then we'll give some hope for you in this crazy world of dating. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so that you don't miss future episodes. And if you want more information on RCF, visit our website, roadyfellowship.com.